Olenus Willemsen is a market leader in Roro shipping and vehicle logistics. They are managing the distribution of cars, trucks, rolling equipment and brake bulk to customers all over the world. In this update, we'll discuss the outlook for the company and their main markets. Welcome to DMB and a special episode of our podcast Utbytte. My name is Marius Brunhaugen from DNB Markets, and today I'm joined by Craig Jasinski, the CEO of Valenius Wilhelmsen. How are you, Craig? Good morning. Very good. Thank you. Thanks, Marius. Excellent. Great to have you uh, with us. Uh, and we're also joined by my colleague and lead shipping analyst here at uh, DNB Markets, Nikolai Dyvik. Uh, everything still uh, ship shape at the home office, uh, Nikolai? Yes, uh, all good. Thank you. Great. So uh, Nikolai and I will take turns uh, asking questions uh, for you today, Craig. And uh, I think it could be interesting if uh, you could start by adding some color on what surprised you the most over the past uh, months, both on uh, the positive and uh, negative side on how your uh, organization has uh, adapted to uh, the new reality. Absolutely. Yeah, I think absolutely on the positive side, and I hear many organizations experience the same, I'm just incredibly impressed how quickly everybody adapted to tools which we tended to not look at so much in the past, in, in all fairness. Um, so we've, you know, we've been running the business from an office worker perspective remotely for getting on soon two months. Uh, and and it was absolutely seamless, I, I must say. So I'm I'm super impressed by the ability to for everybody to adapt to the tools that we use. Uh, and I think uh, interesting, and this is not surprising, but what I what I have seen really shine through is the culture of being one and being together has really come out. Uh, you know, nothing like a, a call it a crisis or a challenging period to see the best in people. And, and that's absolutely shone through. So it's been really impressive. Uh, it's, if, if you put it this way, the ego and politics have been left at the door. Uh, if I look at it more in the sense of often organizations have their uh, small internal barriers, they disappeared overnight. It's fantastic. Mm. Is there uh, anything else from uh, inside of the roller coaster months that, uh, that you could uh, share with us? I think I think the one thing that surprised me, and, and absolutely not a negative point, but was a was a surprise. Um, re- regrettably, like many companies, we had to start considering temporary layoffs. Uh, firstly, with production workers in the sites, but then eventually with office-based workers as well. As we saw, volume started to fall down. Uh, the overwhelming feedback around the world was colleagues, without being asked or forced, were willing to volunteer pay cuts in order to, um, you know, if that could avoid people being laid off, then whole offices and in some cases whole countries were offering for everybody to take a salary cut voluntarily in order to to protect their colleagues. Uh, that was, I must say, that was a surprise, a very positive surprise, but uh, it's incredible the uh, the spirit that we've seen throughout the company all over the world, I must say. And uh, Craig, Q on... So a large drop in ocean volumes of, of 20% and you guide for as much as 50% into the second quarter. Uh, but you also say April probably looked to be the worst uh, month uh, 
If you look at passenger traffic in China, we see congestion now in rush hours in major cities, while subway traffic still has a longer way back to normal. Could we see some change in trends? Uh, uh, and what sort of outlook do you feel you have on, on volumes uh, for the next months? Yeah, let, let me tackle April 1st, just so that there's no confusion. I think what we see is as far as global light vehicle sales, April will probably be the worst month. So that's more an overall market perspective. Uh, for us as a company, what we saw production cuts started in, uh, in late March. And for the land-based operation, that has an immediate effect because we're working basically then at the end of production lines. Uh, on the ocean side, however, there's somewhat more of a longer lag because we still have product in the supply chain. Even if production shuts down uh, one day, then we, we might have another two or three weeks of, of production uh, or, or volume in the supply chain that needs to be delivered to, to the other end. So the global sales statistics in a specific month will not always match our, our direct volumes, just to, just to make that clarification point. Uh, we will always see a 60 to 90 day lag typically on the ocean side. So when production shuts or reduces, it takes 60 to 90 days before we actually see the effect on the PNL, uh, partially because of the prorating effect of the accounts as well. Uh, and it also takes that period of time before we see a cash inflow effect uh, because of the invoicing cycles and so on. Uh, so that will always be a lag, uh, Nikolai, and that's something we need to watch for, both as the volume has been decreasing over this period of time, but I think it's really important to follow as the volume increases again. Uh, we have to understand that we will have a lag in our actual volumes and our actual financial performance. Uh, you, you had a, another point, though, more about trends. I'll, I'll deepen that a little bit further forward. Uh, interestingly, short term, we actually see a shift to even more private vehicle usage. Uh, and you've, you've rightfully identified that in the statistics in China. Uh, because of social distancing, and we see it across most of the countries now where social distancing has been an important government uh, action, uh, public transport is clearly going to become inefficient for a period of time. Uh, buses are reduced in their capacity, train carriages are reduced in their capacity, et cetera. So we think in the short term, there'll be a move away from public transit systems and people will opt for private vehicles. Having said that, at the same time, uh, I think there'll be an increase in pressure for people to not commute to offices, if you think about office-based workers. Uh, if you can do your work from home, and this is valid anywhere around the world, uh, that will probably be encouraged. So what does it really mean in terms of complete uh, call it auto traffic and, and car sales in the near term is hard to say, but there's sort of two, two trends that we definitely see. I think, or we think the turning point will be once we have, when that time comes that we have vaccinations uh, and society is able to feel comfortable in calling it, call it return to a degree of normality, will probably be the time when public transit systems will become efficient again. Uh, so that's that's our sort of short-term perspective. So I know it's it's early days, uh, but you already uh, see how this would impact the strategy, and and of course, it, auto sales is is hard hit in this uh, pandemic. Uh, but are there any challenges or opportunities uh, uh, that could affect your strategy going forward? 
Yeah, if we take if we take a mid to long view, we still have the fundamental belief that there will be a shift from car uh, ownership models to car usership models. So that that foundation we don't believe is changed as a result of of this medical incident, if I can call it that, with COVID nineteen. So mid to long, we still believe in that shift. Uh, we do think models like the call it the Uber model may be challenged because of the sanitization uh, impact. Are people willing to hop in and out of a, a vehicle that's, you know, utilized by many different people over the course of a, of a day? That may be challenged. Yeah. Uh, however, we think, we think short-term or shorter-term leasing or subscription models for vehicles, we think that's a trend that may actually accelerate and, and done well. Uh, we think there's real opportunities for those players that serve those markets to actually offer uh, car, again, um, uh, subscription arrangements or short-term leasing. Uh, that's an opportunity. We think that will accelerate. It was a trend that was coming anyway, but we believe it will accelerate in the future. Greg, uh, on the ocean side, when volumes drop as much as uh, 50% year over year in one quarter, what steps are you taking on the cost side? And how should one think of uh, your flexibility to adjust costs to uh, the underlying, uh, to the quarterly uh, volatility? Mm. Look, uh, all variable costs are obviously related to cargo and voyage will come down with less volume and less activity. So items such as a bunker, port expenses, canal expenses, stevedoring costs, all, all of those expenses will run down together with lower activity, not necessarily on a one-to-one -one basis, but fairly close. Uh, that leaves us with our, with our fixed costs. And that's where we have had at the beginning of the pandemic a very sharp focus and where we continue to, uh, to look uh, strongly uh, where we can to drive out those costs. In terms of, of uh, the other part of your business, uh, high and heavy uh, equipment, how, how do you see this uh, develop compared to, to light, uh, light vehicles? Yeah, in, in the short term, we see light vehicle, uh, compared to light vehicles, we'll probably see a little further drop in high and heavy volumes in the short term, not massively, but uh, we see a softening. Uh, however, the fundamentals are still there and we believe that uh, in the mid midterm, uh, they will continue to grow at the, the previous rates that we had seen. Uh, for us as a business, however, in terms of opportunity, it's still, we want to expand the company's presence into the full life cycle of a vehicle, whether it's a car or a tractor or a piece of construction equipment, et cetera. Uh, so for us as a company, we want to extend, expand into different verticals. Uh, the recent acquisition on ours two years ago soon uh, of Keen Transport in North America is a really good example where we're not just transporting units from one place to the next. We're actually on the construction site, in the mine site, building equipment up for the user, breaking it back down for them, and then shipping it to the new place where it's going to be used next. So those opportunities we still see are as valid in the future as they were in the past. Uh, albeit volume might be slightly challenged in the short term, but those opportunities remain. There's also a renewable uh, cycle on the high and heavy uh, side on the mining uh, a few years out, uh, which will make sure that the recovery could be could be steep when it first comes, probably. Yeah, that that replacement cycle hasn't gone away. Uh, mining activity has remained at relatively okay levels, so. Uh, 
the curve that, that curve may be a little bit further in front of us, but it's still there. So, Craig, uh, how do you see the land-based activities uh, develop over the next uh, quarter, and uh, to which degree are you able to uh, adjust your cost base to the fall in uh, volumes? So, as as the uh, production facilities, particularly for light vehicles, started closing down from mid and then through to late March, we had an immediate impact on on land, as we've explained on our solutions activities. Uh, looking forward, production is now starting to resume. Also in North America, we've just received news over the weekend that uh, GM will restart in Mexico, as an example, from this week, in fact. Uh, so as production starts to increase now, we believe by the time we get towards the end of this quarter of Q2, we'll start to see a run rate going into Q3, which is an increasing run rate. Uh, we don't have exact numbers at this point because it's still early days of production re resuming, but we'll have a, a growing run rate into Q3. Uh, from a cost point of view, we're able, of course, to remove all immediate variable costs that, that leaves us typically with uh, the cost of leases, land, uh, equipment investments that we have. Uh, but I think it's important to point out that we don't, in all of our processing facilities, we don't retain high degree of uh, component inventory that does not sit on our books. So that's a, a cost that we don't need to carry through through a down cycle. Change, changing topic a bit, the, the environmental uh, footprint of shipping was high on the agenda for many ship owners uh, at the end of last year and during 2019. And now we're in the middle of the pandemic and there's uh, large volume drops and, and uh, you need to be mindful of costs. How will the pandemic, would it slow or, or accelerate the work on the environmental footprint? How do you see it? Yeah, our hope, the work that needs to be done, our hope is that it, it will accelerate. And, and our simple view is that there's no change. The environmental challenges that we had as we entered this pandemic remain and will still be there as we come out the other side. Now, granted, we, we, we will all see across industries a capital squeeze, to your point. Um, that, that's a fair, fair point. But we still believe this is an important focus area. We believe it should accelerate. And we retain the same belief we had as we entered this crisis, and that is that industries need to work together uh, in order to resolve the environmental challenges. Now, what we need to compete with is time and the impact on the planet. Uh, we don't need to compete with each other when it comes to improving the environment. So we hope it accelerates. Uh, we'll continue to push uh, where we can. Uh, that remains very much our, uh, our perspective. Uh, COVID-19 is a human health challenge having a significant impact on us, uh, but we can't get away from the fact we still have a global health challenge uh, and one for the planet, and that's just as serious now as it ever was before. And you've taken also many uh, uh, approaches to, to also the climate, but the digitization has also been a way to, to optimize uh, a lot of the work. And I guess that that hurdle with more digitization has uh, is easier to, to pass in after this uh, period where digitization have been embraced? Yeah, we believe so. We think there'll be a number of things that will accelerate and uh, the availability and access to access of technology has not gotten less yeah. <laughs> over these past few months. So yeah, I agree. In terms of uh, 
key topic for investors these days, looking at your stocks at 11 Nokia share and price book point 15 times. Uh, you had 800 million in liquidity at the start of this downturn. And I think you impressively showed during Q1 that you managed to, to actually take out lots of costs so that the volume drop on the revenue line didn't go uh, all the way down to the bottom line. Uh, uh, how do you, and you also said that you're taking out steps to increase your financial flexibility. How should investors think about uh, the strength of your balance sheet uh, now working with the banks to, to sail through this uh, pandemic? Look, importantly, we, as we reported in Q1, we already identified uh, up towards $200 million of, of cash uh, or liquidity improvements. Uh, that's, as I said there too, that's really just the beginning. Look, we, we have, in fact, uh, a little on the inside here, but we have 32 initiatives running across the company uh, where all of them are focusing on how we can preserve cash. Uh, and these, these focus items are very much around what we can control ourselves. Uh, it is likely over the next uh, couple of quarters, as in we're in Q2 now, also into Q3, of course, it's quite likely that our cash burn will be there, that that will increase, that we'll start to eat into that liquidity position. Uh, but that's for everything that we've prepared ourselves for. Uh, I think the key message here is that we're doing everything that we can to slow down that curve and to make sure that we have the strength that we need to get through this period. But most importantly, that we can come out the other side strong as well. So that's what our intention and focus is. Uh, we, we continue in a, we've always had a constructive dialogue with our banks in all fairness, but we continue with that constructive dialogue. And um, we believe based on what we see and what we know today that we, uh, we will see ourselves through this and we'll be ready to build at the other side. Okay, I think we'll let uh, that be uh, the final words for uh, today and uh, we'll wrap it up. Uh, thank you again, Craig, for uh, joining us with an interesting uh, update. Uh, thank you also to you, uh, Nikolai, and uh, everyone for listening. Thank you very much. Thank you. Denne podcasten og dets innhold skal anses som markedsføringsmateriell fra DNB og må ikke oppfattes som investeringsanbefaling eller som investeringsanalyse. Innholdet skal heller ikke anses for å være investeringsrådgivning tilpasset den enkelte kundes behov. Informasjonen som gis i podcasten er kun ment som generell spareveiledning og er ikke ment å utgjøre juridisk, finansiell, kommersiell, skattemessig eller regnskapsmessig rådgivning. Innholdet i sendingen er ikke gjennomgått eller godkjent av DNB Markets avdeling for analyse. Alle uttalelser reflekterer DNBs vurderinger på tidspunktet for den aktuelle sendingen, og kan i etterkant endres uten nærmere beskjed. DNB er ikke ansvarlig for hvordan informasjonen i podcasten benyttes eller tolkes. Informasjonen som henviser til historisk avkastning i finansielle instrumenter, en finansiell indeks eller prognoser, gir ingen garanti for fremtidig avkastning. DNB gjør oppmerksom på at enhver investering i et finansielt instrument er forbundet med risiko for økonomisk tap. Finansielle instrumenter kan både øke og minske verdi, slik at avkastning kan bli negativ som følge av kursfall. DNB tar intet ansvar for direkte eller indirekte tap og kostnader 
som måtte oppstå ved bruk av den information som gis i podcasten.